everybody, this is Jeffrey Lyles. You're listening to Lyles Movie Files. On today's show, I'm talking to Lee Winnell. He's the director of Upgrade. And it's this really cool concept film about a, a, par- a quadriplegic who wants to get payback for his wife's murder. Winnell is probably somebody you may not know, but you've seen his work if you're in any way a fan of horror and thriller films. He's the co-creator of Saw and Insidious, and he also directed Insidious Chapter 3. Really cool guy. I had a lot of fun just talking with him and picking his brain about the process of Upgrade, what other films, what other film genres he's thinking about going into next, and just the challenges of making a sci-fi film in 2018 on a limited budget and what kind of things he did to make it feel acceptable and look good to modern audiences. Hope you enjoy the interview. I had a blast doing it. I'll talk to you on the back end. Yeah, I was really curious to see that you're stepping away from doing the horror films and mm-hmm. more to the sci-fi. What inspired you to go this direction and why now? I think I always wanted to make something outside of the horror genre. I mean, I love the sci-fi genre. Uh, a lot of my favorite films are sci-fi films that I grew up with like The Terminator mm-hmm. um, The Thing which I guess you could say The Thing is kind of a horror film too right. but um, Robocop Videodrome I mean the more these films stack up you, the more you it's no accident that you love a certain type of movie and mm-hmm. I think that there was a sci-fi story kind of sitting in my subconscious waiting to get out so I'm glad I had the chance to purge that story and make something in another genre you mm-hmm. know and it's kind of interesting with this one. There is, I guess, sort of that horror of man and machine element yeah. to it. So can you speak a little bit about that and that fear of machines taking over the data back to, like, the Terminator? Like yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's definitely something that's been talked about before in stories and films, this fight between AI and human beings. I What I was actually more interested in is the merging of humans and computers mm-hmm. the singularity where we where the tech is actually in our bodies right. and that to me is really interesting because that is something that human beings will willingly do mm-hmm. people will willingly insert the tech into their bodies and um, what I liked about that was it differentiated it from a robot movie right. you know we've seen robot movies mm-hmm. before synthetic humans this, this to me was more about humans who were wanting to upgrade themselves to, to use tech to make themselves smarter or, or faster or stronger or you know to, to use tech in the way that we upgrade our phones or we upgrade our computers like imagine being able to do that to your own body mm-hmm. and so that, that to me was the interesting part of it and um, um, I, I almost don't fall into the negative or the positive camp on that front like mm-hmm. I think there's going to be some great things about integrating tech into our bodies especially when it comes to the medical mm-hmm. industry right you know if if we're able to install a chip inside us that regulates our blood or mm-hmm. cures cancer then that's going to be great but then we also have to look at the other side where we start thinking about how much control are we are we going to mm-hmm. give to these computers? Yeah, because I, I mentioned, I, I thought about that. I was like, this is kind of neat because it's that next step evolution. We're always trying to upgrade. And we've done everything we can outside. So the next step clearly has to be inside. I think you're right, yeah. And, and it's just like, it's, 
you know, it's one of those deals where, yeah, it's sci-fi, but it doesn't seem like that's so far off, like, you know, spaceships and hyperdrives. Right, and yeah. No, I didn't, I wanted to do something that felt very around the corner, mm-hmm. like 10, 15 years from now. Yeah. I didn't want to make something that felt so far in the future. Mm-hmm. I didn't want it to feel like a fantasy, you know, right. I wanted it to feel like reality, like it could happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then from the film, it wasn't one of those overly CGI deals, and I know you, you'd mentioned before that that was something you were intentionally trying to do, yeah. to not go so heavy with that. Can you elaborate a little bit more about why that was important for this one? Well, I think aesthetically I just really like practical effects. I think that the human eye can tell whether something's really in front of them and whether it's CG. And you know, look at these Star Wars movies they're doing now. They're actually moving back towards practical because that's what the audience loves. Mm -hmm. The audience wants to see it. You know, CG is a great tool to have in a filmmaker's, um, you know, kit, but it it should only be one element of it. Mm -hmm. It should be something that you use as a paintbrush to kind of augment what you have. To me, there's nothing like practical, like having it right there. Mm -hmm. It's good for the crew, it's good for the actors, you want to actually do it for real. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was important to me. But then on the other hand, uh, I think just practic- uh, practically, the practical effects were good because we didn't have the money to do a huge CGI extravaganza. Mm-hmm. We, we, we had to contain this film mm-hmm. and try to keep it uh, you know, under the budget. So practical effects and kind of shrinking it down like that was a way to keep it low budget. What were some of the shortcuts you used to stay within budget? Because I know the the norm is to always go over and ask for more money. How did you keep within that budget? And what were some of the tricks you did? Well, it wasn't one thing. There was a few different things we did. Like, for instance, I'll give you one example. One story is that we built that car of the future. Mm -hmm. And then if you remember... Uh, in the opening scene, the car flipped over with right. when Hini's wife mm-hmm. were in it. So originally that was scripted as we see the car flip and land, and then the producers came to me and they said, well, we don't have the money to crash that car, <laughs> you know, because we need that car later in right. the car chase, and we can't flip it. And mm-hmm. so I was thinking about it, and it kind of forced me into this box, and necessity being the mother of invention, I kind of thought well, why don't we just shoot the whole car crash from inside the car? Mm-hmm. So what, what we ended up doing is we had the car drive up to a ramp and start the ascent, mm-hmm. but it didn't actually flip over. And then we put the actors in a rig and we just flip it around. Mm-hmm. And what's, what, when, when you watch the movie back, I don't think the audience misses anything. They still get the feeling mm-hmm. of what it would be like to crash in this car. So I guess that's but one example of how we uh, managed to squash the movie into this lower budget. Right. I know one of the things with horror movies are that the directors don't always want to show everything. And mm-hmm. did you take any of those lessons you used from the studios? They're like, ah, I don't have to lead the audience through every step of the way. I can absolutely fill in those gaps. Absolutely. No, that's a good observation. I, I think that is something you learn in horror is how to show restraint, mm-hmm. how to hide. And that was definitely something I wanted to do with this is that, that you didn't have to see the city every five minutes mm-hmm. you know you could just see it once right. and then that's enough you know now we know where we are um and that that would allow us to operate so i i definitely think there was a few techniques i learned from horror uh that were very instructive uh in terms of keeping it low budget you mm-hmm. know i want to get back to to upgrade but 
So now you've done sci-fi. You've already crossed off horror. What's next on the horizon for you? What, what's the next genre you want to explore? There's so genre? many films. You know, I wrote a kid's film years ago mm-hmm. that I would love to make. I, I, it's like a kid's fantasy movie, like mm-hmm. Labyrinth or something yeah. like that. I would love to make something like that. That actually does require a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. So that's probably further down the road. But for me, it's really about the story. Like right now I'm writing something that's a horror film. It's not... It's not like any other horror film I've done mm-hmm. before, but I've gone back to that genre, um, not because of the genre, but because this, I like the story. Right, right. You know. Yeah. So it's really about whatever the best story is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know people have always been like, the style movies, the cities films don't feel like traditional horror movies because yeah. they're, they're a little bit different. And I think Upgrade is one of those sci-fi films like Ex Machina where it's like okay this isn't the it feels a little bit different oh that's cool man that's definitely what I was going for like um I want people to walk out of this movie and say and feel like they've seen something a bit new you know Mm -hmm. something a little bit unique right um and also hopefully they've had a good time yeah if there's one thing you kind of want them to think or as they're leaving out like what is the one thing you want them to have stuck in their heads that days later they go back and like oh I see what he was talking about here what you wanted to do with this um I guess I want them to think about, without spoiling anything, I want them to think about the ending of the movie and how, and how this guy ended up being the very embodiment of the thing he hated. You know, mm-hmm. he was um, a guy who hates technology becomes technology, mm-hmm. and so I'd love it if that ending stayed with the audiences mm-hmm. and they kept thinking about it. Right. Now there was something else that I thought was really interesting with this was. You don't always find the protagonist of films a para, you know, paralyzed, paralegic. Right, para, yeah. Paraplegic, yeah. yeah. Pretty, that's the word. So. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so what kind of led you down that path? Was it, let me make a slight change to the normal revenge flick and, and put him in this position? or? Was yeah, there I think I actually started with that. That was hmm. the first thing. Um, the first seed of this film that popped into my head was the image of a, a quadriplegic whose body was being controlled by... Um, a chip mm-hmm. by a computer chip and it, it kind of opened up this Pandora's box of possibilities because I started thinking about what if they were fighting for control of the mm-hmm. of, of this one body right. and so it really started with that element of mm-hmm. the of the paralysis right. and then the rest of the story built around it mm-hmm. um, and that was the thing that I felt was really unique like you said I hadn't seen too many films where a quadriplegic was the central character and, yeah. and ended up having this condition cured so that is the sort of idea that sustained me through everything through all the years of rewriting and making the film I just kept coming back to that how long was this process for you like what was what made it stick with you like I gotta get back to this I gotta do this eventually it's I just had so much passion for the idea originally when I wrote it I didn't write it for myself to direct I wrote it Mm -hmm. for someone else and I just couldn't get it out of my head and then when I after I directed Insidious 3 um, I was really, you know, chomping at the bit to make another film and um, this script was still lying around. It hadn't been shot yet. Mm-hmm. It was actually attached to another director. Mm-hmm. And so I called him up and said, can I have the script back? <laughs> and he was nice enough to say yes. And so um, it was really just my passion for that story mm-hmm. and that that take on, on AI that, that I wanted to... I love the idea that these guys had a relationship, that they could mm-hmm. talk to each other right. and bicker and banter. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that, so that kept me going. Are you familiar with any like the 
Marvel and DC superheroes, it's like they have a few like that, like Captain Marvel and Rick Jones, where they're in control, and Bruce Banner and Hulk and Firestorm, where it's like yeah. two brains in one body. Yeah. And I was like, this is kind of neat because this is a sci-fi take on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do. I, I'm I'm aware of all those things, and I guess in the tradition of storytelling, it's it's kind of a very um, it's kind of a classic storytelling thing, isn't it? To have uh, someone in your head, whether it's a voice in your head or someone pushing you to do something you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So I, as you said, I wanted to put the sci-fi spin on that and have this computer talking him through these decisions and in the end, him watching himself do things that he didn't really want to do. Right. You know? It was kind of neat because I was getting at a... Night Rider twist too, where oh yeah, that guy, yeah, <laughs> you know he's got his, his super. It's like yeah, it's like Kit, except it's in exactly, here. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's like if they did that, that would probably be the modern take. <laughs> yeah, <of that. laughs> I know. This is yeah. I'll, I'll I'll take I'll take the job of directing Night Rider. Right. Why not of modernizing <laughs> it? Now you've been you've written, you've been mm-hmm. in front of the camera, you've been behind the camera. What's your favorite? Or do you have one? I I reckon I think directing's my favorite because you've got your finger in so many pies like you're you you in a way you 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 are part of the acting because you're working with the actors so much Mm -hmm. and then crafting their performance you know you're part of the visual language of the film you're part of the sound design so you sort of you you have your fingerprints across every aspect of the production and and i like that so if, if someone had a gun to my head and said you've got to pick one i'd probably go with directing but um I love writing too, um, because writing is like it's the one part of filmmaking where you're just starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. You know, you just you're the god of this universe. Mm-hmm. It's a blank page, and then you make a world out of it. You know, you're right. I saw something really fascinating that you were actually a film critic, or you. Yeah. Were, so what is that like? Because I know a lot of us are just sitting around and just know oh, this is terrible. This is great. <laughs> what is it like coming from that background, and then like okay. So do you take the criticisms or praise more seriously because it's like, yeah, I was in your shoes and I know what that's like, or is it like, eh? You know, no, I, I definitely take criticism. I, I read film reviews and I'm a big fan of it, so I definitely take it to heart. Like a great review feels good and a bad <laughs> review feels bad. I try not to read the bad reviews. I might read the first sentence right. and then I'll squint at it. <laughs> like I don't want to torture myself too much, but um, but uh, I definitely take it to heart, you know. The thing with filmmaking is it's so personal. Like mm. you, you put so much work into it that it's hard to ignore what the world gives back to you. Mm. Once you give them your work, mm. I can't shut it out. Right. I know other people are really good at just blocking it out, mm-hmm. but I can't do that. I, I like listening to the feedback because I'm a, I'm a fan of reading reviews myself. Mm. I, I use film reviews to determine what movies to see. Mm. You know, I, I, I base ninety eight percent of my film-going decisions on reviews. Right. Um, so, so it is important to me. But having done it myself, I think the one thing is I'm definitely... I think if, if I was to review movies today, I'd probably be a lot easier on them because I've seen <laughs> how hard it is, like what a miracle it is to make anything good at all. Uh-huh. And, you know, one thing I remember from that time is that it's much more fun to give a bad review than a good one. <laughs> Because you can be, you know, when when you're giving a bad review, you can really have some fun. Yeah, you just tee off. Yeah, just tee <laughs> off, and you know, that's where you can, um, you know, try and be funny. Mm-hmm. But now that I've seen behind the Iron Curtain, mm-hmm. I realise just how hard it is to make a film. So, 
I, it's, it's almost a miracle that any film gets made at all, let alone a good one. Right. right. You know? So that would probably... That has probably changed. It's just my, uh, my leniency and my understanding of, 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 movie, of movies, you mm-hmm. know? Do they help inform you when you're putting your films together? Like, uh, yeah, I remember this review and they said this and I, and I was about to walk Absolutely. You know, it's funny. A, a lot of filmmakers I've noticed, they try to pretend that they can ignore the critics, but I, I feel like reviews do influence your filmmaking. You like you'll read something and and just as you said you'll go into the next film and think I can't do that next time or you'll mm-hmm. you'll uh you kind of adjust because it because the feedback that comes back at you it, it's like writing an essay for college or whatever mm-hmm. you know you, your your teacher or your professor gives you these notes only a fool would completely ignore them you it's like you incorporate these thoughts into your voice mm-hmm. And so I definitely do. I definitely uh, try to adjust, you know, based on what I'm hearing right. from the world. And these days, not just from critics, but from people on Twitter, you know. Exactly. Now everybody's a critic. Everybody has a forum. You know, it's not just uh, film critics anymore. It's every single person out there. So it's. I think it's good to take the measure of the zeitgeist and... Mm sort of figure out where you sit where, where do I sit in the in the ladder you mm-hmm. know so what have you what have you been hearing what's like your rea- reaction to all the feedback you've get, gotten so far from Upgrade mostly great yeah. like we won the audience award at South by Southwest right. which was really awesome and I've read some really great reviews like probably the best ones of my career like for this film I've read some really glowing reviews and it's and it's a good feeling you know, I've seen a couple of negative ones too, and you're like, okay, um, but I, I feel really good about it. Like, this movie was such a gamble because not only is it an original movie, you know, it's it's not a horror movie, and it's it's trying to be bigger than it actually is. So there's a risk there of being called a fraud. There's a risk of people saying this movie wants to be X, but really it's you know why it's not it's not what it wants to be nice effort but you didn't make it so i when i when i see people embrace certain elements of the film it's really uh uplifting for me because i'm like wow that was something that we were just trying yeah we did, we had no idea how this steady cam technique was going to turn out or um so i love it you know I, I'm, I'm definitely absorbing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's probably fun to, to to step out on that different path and then have people receive it just as well as some of yep. the other work. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's funny because with the marketing material, you've got to go from the director. <laughs> yes, exactly. And the next time you'll be like, hey, from the director. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Every 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 new movie you do changes the perception of you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really up to you to control the perception because. If I go out and make a romantic comedy and, it, and it's not terrible, then suddenly people will say, ah, oh, now he's the romantic comedy guy or right. whatever. So to a certain degree, you control the perception of yourself. What do you think the perception of you is right now? Probably in the wider world, uh, uh, people either don't know me <laughs> or they think of me as the horror guy, the mm. saw guy. And I know that saw and insidious 
they're not the most critically acclaimed horror films out there. I think the original Saw and the original Insidious were, mm -hmm. but there were so many sequels that sometimes that can dilute the goodwill. Mm -hmm. So I think like the perception might be like, ah, oh, he's that horror sequel guy. I take that as a challenge basically to say, okay, great, like let's let's see if I can get out some more original films, um, and change change that perception you know I'm looking forward to your romantic comedy <laughs> <laughs> many people will die <laughs> it'll be a very gory romantic comedy but uh, I'll, I'll do it. It, it if I if I came up with a story for a romantic comedy that I couldn't stop thinking about I wouldn't be afraid to pursue it uh, in other words I wouldn't put it aside mm -hmm. just because I thought well that's not really what people know me as right. I would always follow the story yeah you know that's perfect yeah. See, I know you're running low on time. Uh, thanks, thanks for chatting to so me. Much. I appreciate course, it, yeah, man. Great. Okay, everybody, that was Lee Winnell. Uh, upgrade comes to theaters June 1st. If you were paying attention, if you were on LylesMovieFiles.com, you got to see it early on May 16th. Right now, I've got a big giveaway for Solo, A Star Wars Story, and there's still time to go catch the screening. So check it out. Uh, that's it for me. Once again, thank you to Lee Winnell. Really enjoyed that interview, uh, getting a chance to talk with him. A lot of fun. Check out the movie. Let me know what you think. Once again, Upgrade comes out June 1st. And that's it for this special episode. This episode of Lyle's Movie Files has been filed. <laughs>